Greetings, friends. My name is Dr. Dwayne McKee. I'm the president of Adventist World Radio. Did you know we have a thousand radio stations around the world? Plus, we do all this YouTube stuff, this this social media things. It's exciting. Cami series, Unlocking Bible Prophecies, this is a continuation of that series. And that series, by the way, about 7 million people around the world have watched that. And we're just so excited to, to broadcast through social media. This is Earth's final countdown. What is going to happen next? Stay tuned because climate change is now, we just heard this this week, is a national security priority at the Pentagon and the United States. And there's a time coming. Actually, it's already coming when there'll be a time and a place where no intelligence will be allowed. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Earth's Final Countdown, friends. Be sure you subscribe to this this channel. Also, click like and hit that notification bell. You'll, You'll like that. Last time we talked about the second coming. We have a really a lot of exciting things. We're going to look at the church. Satan's going to, he's going to deceive you. If you're not careful, your only security is in God's word. Remember, we always say if it's in the Bible, I believe it. If it's not in the Bible, it's not for me. By the way, if you'd like if, if you'd like to have a special chart, we just have put this together, you'll love it because it, it goes from 1844 or just before all the way to the end and tells you the events that will happen. And, and you'll put that together and you'll see what's coming next in the world that we live in today. You'll enjoy that. To get it, WhatsApp us at plus one, two, two, four, two, 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 zero, seven, 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 and then ask for the special chart. You'll love it. It's coming to you. If you can't watch that, just text us at 224-222-0777. That's 224-222-0777. If you want to watch that, just put a plus one in front of that. I want to welcome the many countries around the world that are, are watching. They keep sending us messages and things in the Philippines and China and in the Far East and in Southern Hemisphere and Africa. Wow, so many friends in Europe. Thank you for being with us. It's exciting to have you on board. Send us some messages and tell us what's happening in, in your neck of the woods. Orion and the Revelation, that's our next topic. You will not want to miss this. You'll be amazed as you see what God is preparing for those who love him. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. That where I am, there you may be also. Jesus is coming. That's what the Bible says. Remember, we always go to the word of God. If it's in the Bible... I believe it. If it's not in the Bible, it's not for me. That's the most important thing. Three things. We, we say this each time. We, we first complete, we, we want you to understand that we're right at the end of the book. All the great prophecies in the Bible have been fulfilled except the second coming of Jesus. Jesus is coming soon. That's the next great thing that's going to happen on this old ball of mud. He's going to rescue us and take us to the heavenly home he's preparing for us now. And mama's prayers. My mama prayed for me. Jesus prays for you. Your mother has prayed for you, or your father, or a friend, but we know that Jesus prays for you. And then God has a plan for your life. He has a plan for my life. He has a plan for your life. He has a plan for your life. Our topic is Revelation Reveals Satan's Final Deception. Again, it's from the Bible. We'll be looking at the Bible. Everything we do comes from God's Word. Amen? That's that's what we're about, is sharing what God has to say. doesn't matter what your friends tell you. It doesn't matter what your neighbor says. What matters is what God says. That's the most important thing. I want to take you to Victoria Falls. 
Kathy and I were setting up for meetings in Lusaka, Zambia, and then across Zambia with Adventist World Radio. We, we broadcast into Lusaka, into Livingston, other parts of Zambia. Actually, I believe we had something like 18,000 baptisms. We had 1,000 meetings in Lusaka alone, the most that's ever been done in any one city anywhere in the world, Lusaka, Zambia. We wanted to go down to Livingston, and we weren't sure what God had in store for us, but we wanted to organize meetings there. And so we were in Lusaka in a hotel, and Kathy said, did you get a reservation? Oh, I said, we always stay at this one hotel. I'll call them up. They'll have a place for us. It's a nice place. And so I got my phone. I called them, and they said, sorry, it's all booked up. I said, what? I said, this is Dr. Dwayne McKee. I'm your friend. You always have a place for me and my wife, Kathy. And they said, we're sorry, but the government has booked all the hotel rooms here in Livingston. Oh, I thought, that can't be. So I went on the, on the computer took my com- and did a little search there with Google. And I found a hotel. It said it's just a little ways outside of uh, Livingston. And I thought to Kathy, I, I thought, Kathy, <laughs> I said to her, honey, <laughs> this sounds like a really nice place. We, it's right there on, on the Zambezi River overlooking it. It's just, just right outside Livingston. This, this will work fine. We landed in Livingston and got off the plane, found our friends there. And we said, we are going to stay not in town because everything's booked up. Please take us to the Tata Falcon Lodge. And they looked at each other. What? Yeah, the Tata Falcon Lodge. Oh, one said, I, I'd never been there, but I, I think I know where it's at. And so we went out of town and we started driving. This is one of the worst roads we've ever been on. Bouncy, 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 bouncy. It was just terrible. <laughs> so I started laughing. I said, oh, Kathy, <laughs> I don't know if we're going to make this. An hour later, an hour, just outside, I thought, no, it wasn't just outside Livingston. It was an hour later, we finally arrived. And some very nice people met us. Actually, they had roots there and also in South Africa. Uh, Antoinette was the lady's name, and she took us to our room, and we were very excited to have a nice place. Uh, very, very, very nice, comfortable. And we overlooked the Zambezi River just below Victoria Falls. What a place to be. We slept well that night, went into Livingston the next day and organized some things with one of our pastors about all the meetings that are coming and, the, and preparing for all these massive baptism that God was going to give us because of our Adventist radio broadcasting into that area and all over Zambia. Came back to the hotel, talked a little bit to Antoinette and her husband and some others and went to bed, got up the next morning and we started to leave. And Kathy said, I'm going to go just say thank you to Antoinette before we leave. She walked over to her. She was seated there in an outside thatch area. It was very nice. And she was sitting there drinking a cup of coffee (laughs) and she had her Bible, and she said to Kathy, I just love prophecy. <laughs> and that kind of blew us away because <laughs> that doesn't kind of match. You know, it doesn't quite go together. But she was reading her Bible, studying prophecy. And then she said, you know, I've been getting these messages on my cell phone. Really? Who from? Well, this guy by the name of Neveline, something like that. It comes through my uncle, and I'm getting these messages, and it's about... It's about Bible verses and about Bible topics and about the second coming of Jesus and all kinds of things. Well, I said, this is really thrilling, but tell us more. Who's this Neville Neveline? And so she gave us his phone number, and I called Neville. Neville had been with us just a few months before up in Eastern Europe. He had done a series of meetings, 
that we do around the world with Adventist World Radio and total member involvement. So he, he did these meetings, and when he's going back home, he's looking at his cell phone, looking at his computer, and he says, you know, I, I, could, I could do these meetings just on the cell phone. And so we started doing what we call now cell phone evangelism. It was thrown. Let me show you just a little video clip. You'll enjoy this. So Antoinette, you had two guests come into your lodge. What did you first notice about them? That they're Christian. Hmm. And um, yeah, that's, that's like it seemed to me. Mm -hmm. And that intrigued you? Very much. Okay. Now at that time, have, were you seeking um, more Bible truth? Yes, I was. Um, let me quickly tell you this. Y yes. When I first moved here, my husband said to me, Zambia will do two things to you. It will either move you closer to God, or you will either forget about God. And it moves me closer. The McKees' visit to the lodge was not by chance. God was setting up something wonderful. You see, Antoinette's uncle, Carl, had just started sharing a Bible prophecy series with her on her cell phone. Got this message from him and I thought, why is he sending me a message? And I saw it was a voice message. And um, I was listening to it and I was so amazed about this because this is Carl, you know? It's him telling me about God. And when I listened to the first study, it was, I just wanted more. You wanted more? Yeah. She would drink her tea and listen to the message. What was said in the series intrigued her. It was different, but it came straight from the Bible, straight to her heart. She was convicted to share this with others. I did share that with a lot of my friends and a lot of my family. I did send that to them. That's wonderful. Yeah. Then came the Sabbath truth. Antoinette was convicted she wanted to share it with her husband. But what would he think? I was scared. I was really scared to do that. And, um, but one day I just sat at the table and asked him, listen, what do you think about the Sabbath? What day? I mean, it could be any day. You know, it's, it's, and he said to me now, he thinks Saturday. Here was a lady, isolated from the rest of the world, yet she learned about the Sabbath. Once Dwayne heard about how Antoinette studied these Bible truths through her cell phone, he knew this would be a tool for AWR to use around the world. From that chance encounter, it's just amazing what God has done as he's we're working with Neville now and with Antoinette too and others. And, in Africa, and actually in South and Central America. It's thrilling right now because of that encounter with cell phone events and sharing these kinds of sermons, or cami sermons and, and total member involvement sermons, other evangelistic end time event sermons around the world. There are about 100,000 people in Africa, Europe, and that part, and in South America and Central America, another 100,000. So 200,000 people. It's just amazing how these people are listening every week to these sermons, making decisions for baptisms. And we're getting these stories. I, I'm sorry, I don't have time to share all of them with you, but every day 
We're getting stories. As they make decisions, they listen to these messages and their hearts are touched. We see witches change their lives. We see assassins baptized. It is absolutely unbelievable what God is doing. And I believe he's doing all this because he knows the time is short. Jesus is coming very, very soon. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for your love. Bless us now as we talk about Satan's deceptions at the end time, his final deceptions here in the book of Revelation. Give us understanding. Help us to choose the right side to be on because we know in the end there are just going to be two groups of people and we want to be with Jesus. Bless us now as only you can in Christ's name. Amen. Well, what God makes holy is holy because God does so. We know that God's name is holy. The Bible is holy. The Sabbath is holy. The tithe is holy. Our body is holy. When we honor what God makes holy, we receive God's blessings. Isaiah 58, 13, 14, and Malachi 3, 8 to 10. When we honor what God makes holy, then we receive his blessings. So we need to honor God. We need to honor the Bible. We need to respect what he does, what he tells us, and honor what he's made holy. And it's all about Jesus. I've told you each time, remember, if Jesus weren't alive, I wouldn't be here. You wouldn't either. If the, the tomb in Jerusalem wasn't empty. Remember, we have said all the major tunes of all the world religious leaders around the world, all the very important people who started these great religions, all of their tombs are occupied. They are there. They're not anywhere else. <laughs> Jesus' tomb in Nazareth is empty. Praise God. His tomb is empty. Amen. So if it's in the Bible, I'll say this again, I believe it. If it's not in the Bible, it's not for me. So we'll go right to the Bible in our study as we look at Satan's final deceptions. He, Revelation actually reveals his final deceptions. Revelation chapter 18, verse 4. Let's go there. It says, And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins unless you receive of her plague. So this is a call from God, asking people, his people, to come out of confusion. Babylon means confusion. We're going to see that in a minute. Revelation is God's protection from last day delusions. We see women, two women in the book of Revelation. We're going to look at them. One dressed in white, one dressed in purple. One that is, deals with fornication, one that deals with purity in the church. So what does a woman represent in Bible prophecy. The New Testament church in Revelation chapter 12 is pictured as the faithful bride of Jesus, the church itself. In the true church system, the church is united with Jesus. It's united with Jesus. That's the true church system. The harlot woman of Revelation 17, we're going to go through that, several verses there in just a moment. She represents a false system of religion, rebellion, it's controlled by Satan. It's amazing as you look at it. Let's continue on. Revelation chapter 17, verses 1 and 2. Come, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication. And the inhabitants of the earth will make drunk with the wine of her fornication. What does that mean? Well, let's continue. What is fornication? Well, it's an illicit union, an illicit relationship. That's what it is in the Bible with church and state. You'll see how that is. In the fallen church system, the church is united with the states. The beast on which the harlot rides represents the state. Here, let's, let's just go to the Bible commentary. This is Fawcett David Brown's 
commentary, state and church are precious gifts of God, but the state being desecrated becomes beast-like. The church apostatizing becomes the harlot. Revelation 17, verse 4 again, the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication. Again, this is this illicit relationship between the church and the state. Revelation 17, 9, this calls for a mind with wisdom. The seven heads are seven hills on which the woman sits. Remember, the Bible explains itself. We keep looking and we keep studying and we put it all together. It's amazing. The fallen church system of Revelation 17 has colors of purple and scarlet, and she sits on a city with seven hills, a city with seven hills. There's only one city in the world that meets this description, and it's Rome. That's right. It sits on seven hills, seven hills. The only religious power in the world that is also an independent political government. It sits in Rome, the Vatican. That's what the Bible says. The golden wine cup in her hand represents the intoxication of false doctrine that's crept into the church. We're going to look at those. It's amazing. Revelation symbols. Number one, a woman represents the church. Two, a harlot woman, the false church. A pure woman, number three, the true church. Waters, number four, and seas are peoples. Five, kings of the earth, political leaders. Six, drunk, deceived. Seven, wine, false teachings, the false teaching. Revelation again, back to chapter 17. It's all here, verse five. And on her forehead, a name was written, the mystery Babylon, the great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. What does the Babylonian system represent? Well, the city of Babylon had its origin when God confused the languages at the Tower of Babel. This is after the flood. Remember, they were going to build this tower. They rebelled against God up to heaven so the flood wouldn't bother them again. The term Babylon in Revelation represents religious confusion. Genesis chapter 11, verse 9. Let's go back there right after the flood when they built this tower. Therefore, it's name is called Babel because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. So the different languages, they couldn't work anymore. He confused their languages. It's amazing. Babylon is confusion. That's what it means. Proclaiming truth, not babbling confusion. So in God's word, in his church, they proclaim the truth in the Bible, not babbling confusion. So you have the contrast, you see. Babylon is a man-made system of religion. God's church would be just the opposite. God's system of religion, of truth in the Bible. Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, Jesus says. The central issue in the book of Revelation is worship. There are two very different systems of religion and they collide. The central issue, remember that, in the book of Revelation is worship. Do you worship God, the creator, Or do you worship the false system, Satan? It's very clear. Truth or error? God's way, man's way. The woman in white and the woman in scarlet. It's all contrasting back and forth. Two groups of people. It's going to climax when Jesus comes at the very end of the Bible, the very end of time. There'll be two groups of people. You have to start thinking now about which group you want to be on. I know you want to be on Jesus' side or you wouldn't be listening to this this series right now, Revelation 17, 4, the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet 
and torn with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornications. That's that mixture of truth and error. The cup of salvation. Psalms 116.13 I will take up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. The cup of salvation as the opposite of the wine of Babylon. Revelation 14.8 Revelation predicted that thousands would be deceived as the false teachings of Babylon entered into the church. The wine cup, Satan's deception regarding the scriptures. Early Christianity was founded totally and completely on God's word. God's word was everything. That's why we keep saying today, if it's in the Bible, I believe it. If it's not in the Bible, it's not for me. My, remember I told you a little story in one of the other presentations about being in Lubumbashi, Congo, and I went to the university and the kids started laughing at me and they said, oh, I was telling them what we believe as Christians and Jesus is coming soon. He's preparing a home for us. And they said, oh, that's not true. We don't believe that. And that's when I said to them, okay, just say, for example, that what you're saying is true. It's not true. You can't believe the Bible. At the end, I will die. I'll continue doing what I'm doing, telling others that Jesus is coming soon. I will die. And when I die, that's it. I won't know anything else. I haven't lost a thing. But let's say, for example, perhaps, yes, not perhaps, I know for sure. But let's say that what I'm saying and reading from God's word is true that Jesus did create you, that he's coming back to save you. He went to prepare a place for you. He loves you very much. There is a heaven and there is a hell. If what I'm saying is true, when I die, the next thing I know, I'll see Jesus coming. Wow, I'll be in heaven with him for eternity. But what about you? When you've rejected him and you're killed of the brightness of his coming, there's no second chance. It's all over. It's all over. What have you lost? What have you lost? And friends, two groups when Jesus comes back. Two groups. Early Christianity was founded totally and completely on God's word. God's people, the end time. It's the end time. Jesus is coming soon. We're seeing all these crazy things in politics. We, we see stuff that's unbelievable happening. We know that, that pushing forward, the old planet, we're going to be told, is getting so sick and tired we have to take we have to take just one day of rest off. And on that day, that's, that's the sun's day. And we must go to church on the sun's day or, or take the day off. God's people say, no, we want to be faithful to God and worship him in honor of the Sabbath, the fact that he is our creator. We're coming to that. You'll see it very carefully, very thoroughly here in a minute. 2 Timothy 4.4. 4. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. Wary's Church History, page 54. Christianity had now become popular, and a large proportion, perhaps a large majority, of those who embraced it only assumed the name. Only assumed the name. They are as much heathen as before. Error and corruption now came in upon the church like a flood. It's amazing. This is during the Dark Ages. Remember when they didn't have the Bible. And all this error and corruption, they brought it in from paganism that came into the church. It crept in and it came in even like a flood, the historians say. The false teachings that we, we see now, here are just a few of them. Sun worship, worshiping the sun on Sunday, the first day of the week. <laughs> it's not in the Bible. It's just not there. We don't worship the pagan sun. Immortality of the soul. When you die, this is Satan's lie. Remember to Eve, when you die, you don't really die. You become as gods. No, no. When you die, you die. You become immortal. Remember, we studied that topic 
when Jesus comes and the trumpet will sound, the dead in Christ will rise first, and this mortal ship will on immortality, purgatory. Purgatory was created so that those who were not ready to go to heaven, so it was thought, could be purged, their sins, they'd be burned forever, well, for a long, long time until they got good enough to go to heaven. It's just not in the Bible because you're saved by grace alone in Jesus. And the soul is not immortal. Only at the second coming of Jesus, we, we receive the gift of immortality. Worship of the saints. That's so much in so many churches around the world. People worship those that have been made saints. Well, the saints are dead. That's what the Bible says. They are mortal. They die. David even is buried. The Bible says, we read that text, remember, he's here with us. He's, he's not in heaven. He didn't ascend. This universalism, wow. <laughs> Universal and says, well, God loves everybody. He's the creator. And so eventually he's going to make them good enough until everybody's going to be saved. That's not in the Bible. We'll look at it in a minute in the book of Revelation, the very last text in the book of Revelation, the book of the Bible. There are two groups, two groups those who love Jesus and those who have rejected him. The eternal burning hell. Well, it pictures God as a vengeful God who burns people forever just to punish them for being sinners. That's not in the Bible. Jesus died for our sins on Calvary's cross. He loves you so much. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. No, there's, there's no eternal burning hell. The Bible makes it very clear that those who reject God in the end will be burned up. They'll be ashes under our feet. They'll be burned up, finished, over. God of love, God is love, the Bible tells us. He's not going to punish everybody forever and ever. It's not in the Bible. It's Satan's lie to you again. This thing about evolution, we didn't come from the Creator God in the Garden of Eden, you can't believe that story. That's what people are telling you. Some churches, some large organizations, I'm going to read you some, some quotes about that, are saying that. Actually, I, I found this videotape. Maybe you've seen it. It's called Expelled by Ben Stein. Expelled by Ben Stein. And it says, no intelligence allowed. Well, he went around to different evolutionists who were writing and creating things and asking them. He said, you know, I've talked to people, scientists who study probability. And, and they tell me, they said, it's impossible for life just to begin, just to start. There has to be God. There has to be somebody, a power that starts life and creates things. And finally, even the stouts evolutionists had to agree that if you're going to use intelligence and look at it, it's, it's true. There has to be a God. Life just didn't start. It's interesting. I was looking at this little book with some quotes. I thought you might, not, not many, just a couple here from some famous people in the world. Abraham Lincoln, he said, I can see how it might be possible for a man to look down upon the earth and be an atheist, but I cannot conceive how a man could look up into the heavens and say there is no God. Go out at night and look at the stars on a clear night. Look at all those stars. Someone has said, scientists have said, there are as many stars in the sky as there are sands in the sea. They're innumerable, in other words. The universe goes on and on. It's God. It's God. Wow. George Washington said, it is impossible to account for the creation of the universe without the agency of a supreme being. Yeah, God, he loves you so much. He created you. I, I can't imagine. When we get to heaven, 
We're going to have a long talk with Jesus, a long talk. And say, Lord, why did you mess with us? You know, we rebelled. Why didn't you just wipe us out? Well, I know the answer is because God is love. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's what the Bible says. He sent his own son. He knows the pain of separation. He knows the pain of sin. He knows the pain of lies. He knows the pain of fornication, of adultery, of stealing, of killing. He knows that pain. His own son died on Calvary's cross because he loves you so much. He would have died had you been the only one. The only one on the face of the earth who had sinned, who needed a Savior, he died that you might live. That's the truth. You have also the stuff that came in around Easter, the fertility gods. You know, the sun is, the god is a fertility, and the fer Easter is a bunny rabbits. What do they have to do with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus? Nothing. That's Satan's lie. That's Satan's lie. Chicken, eggs, fertility gods. Paganism is not in the Bible, no. Forgiveness of sins. Some say, well, you have to go and ask a man in a little booth in a church or someplace, ask a man, a, a priest, to forgive you. No, Jesus says we can come boldly to the throne of grace, confess our sins, and when we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He casts our sins into the depths of the sea. Wow, and baptism. Baptism in the Bible it's being baptized like Jesus was baptized. He was baptized in the River Jordan. You don't have to go to the River Jordan. <laughs> no, no, we've talked about that. But you need to be baptized by immersion. And some of you are thinking of it. You're saying, you know, I, 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 I slipped away. I need to be rebaptized. Or you're never giving your heart to Jesus. And you're saying, yes, this is truth. I want the hope that Jesus is coming back. They will forgive me my sins. They will save me and my family. If you're thinking about being baptized, just text us. WhatsApp us at plus one two two four two two two, or text us at two two four two 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 zero seven seven seven. Say, Pastor McKee, I want to be baptized, <laughs> and so we'll connect you with someone who'll help you with studies and help you understand everything, and you'll be baptized just just like Jesus was baptized. John seventeen seventeen, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. God's word. God's word is truth. If it's in the Bible, I believe it. If it's not in the Bible, it's not for me. God's word is true. In John 16, 13, and 14, 25, the spirit of truth. Jesus says, pray. He says, I will send you the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, and he will lead you into all truth. Do you want to know what truth is? Ask God. Get on your knees with your family and ask God, God, help me understand what truth is in the Bible. As I study these, these sermons, as I listen, as I take my Bible and read, help me to understand what truth is. God says his spirit, the Holy Spirit, will lead you into all truth. Again, here in the history of civilization, it says pagan ceremonies were established in Christian churches until Christianity exhibited so grotesque and hideous a form that its best features were lost and its early loveliness altogether destroyed. All this paganism kept crept into the church. We need to take God, take the Bible, study, and see what the Bible says. The wine cup, Satan's deception. Don't, don't blame any person. Don't blame any church. Don't blame any group of people. Blame Satan. It is his deception regarding the Sabbath. 
the Babylonian king, here we found this in Babylon. This is, came from, the archeologists were digging it up. They found the king of Babylon under the sun, the sun god, and the kings of Babylon's word issued from the throne under the authority of the sun god was law. It's amazing how the sun has had so much influence, even the Bible. People who knew God turned their backs on God, turned their backs on the holy temple and worshiped the sun, the Bible says. So it was back in Bible times too. Satan had such power, they turned the people away from God. Notice here, Ezekiel 8, 16, at the door of the temple of the Lord, between the porch and the altar, were about five and 20 men with their backs toward the temple of the Lord and their faces toward the east, and they worshiped the sun toward the east. Amazing, they worshiped the sun. Instead of worshiping the creator God, they worshiped the sun way back in the Old Testament times. Sun worship, Sunday worship, is worshiping the sun instead of worshiping the son of righteousness, Jesus. <laughs> he is our righteousness. Daniel 7, 25, he shall speak pompous words against the Most High, shall persecute the saints of the Most High, and shall intend to change times and laws. He shall attempt to, he shall intend to, he shall try to change times, the very law of God. Let's go to the Catholic world. Page 809. This is an amazing statement about the sun. Listen carefully. The sun was a foremost god with heathendom. The sun has worshipers at this hour in Persia and other lands. There is, in truth, something royal, kingly about the sun, making it a fit emblem of Jesus, the son of justice. Hence, the church in these countries would seem to have said, keep that old pagan name. It shall remain consecrated, sanctified. And thus the pagan Sunday dedicated to Baldur became the Christian Sunday sacred to Jesus. Just not in the Bible. It's by tradition. That's all it is. Again, Daniel 7.25, he shall intend, think, try to change times and laws. He'll try to change the very law of God. How can you do that? How can you? Is there any way, say, remember 17 inches? <laughs> The home plate, 17 inches. Well, it's a World Series, and I had the best pitcher ever, and the Yankees are, are, are winning. i got to use the best pitcher, but he keeps throwing outside. And so let's make the base maybe 20 inches so he can hit the, the home plate. <laughs> can you do that? No. It's 17 inches. God's law is God's law. You can't change it to fit what you want, what you think. Maybe you could commit adultery just a little bit. No. See, no. For your happiness, God has given you not a suggestion, but a law. Don't do it. For your happiness, don't steal, don't kill. It's God's law. Worship the creator. It's God's law because he loves you. And he knows what will bring you happiness in the end. Yeah. Daniel 7, 25. It was prophesied right there in the book of Daniel. And she'll intend to change, try to change, think to change times and law, the very law of God. It's amazing how you can think of it, how man can think that he could have such power to change God's law. Exodus 20, verses 8 to 11, says it very clearly. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. And in it you shall do no work, you nor your son, 
nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them and rested the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. The only day of the week, seven days, the only day of the week that God blessed and hallowed. He made it holy. He sanctified it. He put it apart for a holy use. That's what the Bible says. That's what sanctification means. He made it a holy day. It's holy. It's a day that we come and we worship God, the creator, because he made us. We say, thank you, Lord. They were created in your image. Remember, no intelligence allowed by Ben Stein. No, we need, when we read and we think and we, as intelligent human beings, we read the Bible, we conclude there is a creator and we need to worship God on the seventh day. You're going to see this thing coming with globalism. It's going to happen. And it'll be an attempt to make everybody comply. Uh, we, we, it was kind of like happened. Remember, we, we saw Daniel's dream there. Then Daniel's dream, he interpreted Nebuchadnezzar's dream, then he had a dream. And so in that dream, we, there was this metallic image. The head was of gold. Remember that? Remember the toes of... Uh, the ten toes, they will not cleave one to another. They will not cleave, they will not stick together. There will be no one world order. It's not going to happen. Oh, they're, they're going to try. You'll see this happen. It's going to be a big thing, this globalism, this push for everyone to come together and do the same thing around the world and worship in the end because of ecology, because we got to give the planet a rest. It's coming on the first day of the week. It's coming. Worship the sun. Those who want to, but those, those, it says the mark of the beast, remember, some in the forehead, those who want to, who believe it, those who just comply and say, okay, I don't want to fight. I'll go along with it. They have the mark of the beast in their hand. It's coming. Exodus 20, 11, remember, therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. He blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. He made it a holy day. Let's go to the Council of Trent. The year is 1545. Actually, it's 1562, but it goes through 1563. Uh, this is the longest council that's ever taken place in the history of the church. It's an, it's an amazing story. Martin Luther has nailed his 95 thesis to the Wittenberg Wall, and, and, and Calvin and all the reformers have told people you can trust the word of God, you, you can't trust the word of man. And so the, the discussion was tradition or the Bible. Do, do you trust the church and give the church authority? Does it have authority or is it the Bible? Is it the Bible and the Bible only? Well, that was the discussion. The Reformation cry was the Bible and the Bible only. Sola Scriptura. Sola Scriptura. The Bible and the Bible only. Sola Fide. By faith alone in Jesus, not by works of man. Those are the cries of the Reformation. The Reformers were saying the Bible and the Bible only. So the Council of Trent met 18 years. <laughs> It's absolutely amazing when you think of it. 18 years. And finally, on January 18, notice here in Canon and Tradition by Holtzman, page 263, finally at the last opening on the 18th of January, 1562, all hesitation was set aside. The Archbishop Erigio made a speech in which he openly declared that tradition stood above Scripture, that tradition stood above God's Word. Is it possible? No, of course not. The authority of the church could therefore not be bound, they said, to the authority of the scriptures, 
because the church had changed the Sabbath into Sunday. Wow, there it is. There it is. Their authority comes by their tradition, they say. Jesus talked about that. He says, you forsake the commandments of God for your traditions. He said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments because we love Jesus. It's not man's tradition. All men have always had all kinds of crazy traditions. <laughs> but if it's not in the Bible, it's not for me. Notice again, Holzman says here, finally in the statement, not by command of Christ, but by his own authority. So it's very clear. In the church's mind, it's not by a command of Christ. It's, it's by their own authority. It's by tradition, not from what the Bible says. The central issue in the book of Revelation is worship. Worship. Do we worship Satan? Do we worship the church? Do we worship tradition? Or do we worship God? Do we worship God who is our creator? Revelation 13, 15, and 14, 7. We worship God who is our creator. Worship the creator. Worship the creator. Notice, and, and back in 1996 in the U.S. World Report, there was a statement made in, in Time Magazine and U.S. News and World Report. They commented on it. Here it is. Did God create mankind in his image, as the Bible says, or did humans evolve from animals, as Darwin theorized, as Darwin theorized, just a theory, nearly 150 years ago? According to Pope John Paul II, evolution may be a better explanation. Time Magazine, November 4, 1996. The statement is unlikely to influence Catholic schools where evolution has been taught since the 1950s. Indeed, reading the entire Bible literally has not been a dominant practice among Catholics through much of the 20th century. Again, here in the Catholic Encyclopedia, 1991, we should not interpret Genesis literally. Just recently, in Ledacto C, Pope Francis said, the Big Bang, which today we hold to be the origin of the world, the Big Bang. Well, not in the Bible. <laughs> it's not in the Bible. It's what man thinks. Time Magazine, November 4, 1996. In his message to a meeting of the Pontifical Academy of Sciences, which had taken the origin of life as its theme, the statement by John Paul reflects the church's acceptance of evolution. Acceptance of evolution. I really believe what God says, <laughs> wouldn't you? Revelation 14, 6 and 7. Notice, God knew this was coming. He makes it very clear here in Revelation 14. And it quotes the Ten Commandments, the Fourth Commandment. Notice this, Revelation 14, 6 and 7. Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of waters. Wow, and worship him, the creator who made the heaven, the earth, and sea. Notice, right here it is. Exodus in the fourth commandment, 20 verses 11. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. That's why we worship God on the Sabbath, on the seventh day. We worship him because he is our creator. Here in Ezekiel 20, 20, it says very clearly, Hallow my Sabbaths, make them holy. And they will be a sign between me and you that you may know that I am the Lord your God. <laughs> we hallow his Sabbaths. We worship him as our creator. 
Sabbath is God's sign of authority. Sunday and sun worship would equal then the mark of the beast authority. Honest people must look at this and say, wow, <laughs> I need to follow what God says. Is it my opinion? Does that really matter? Or does what God says? Is that the most important? Of course it is. God's seal is the Sabbath. His seal, number seven. 666 is the mark of the beast. Satan's seal, disloyalty, disloyalty. Kathy is going to sing this little song one more time. And I've asked her to do so. You're going to love it <laughs> if you haven't heard it. It's about a little boy. Kathy and I were in the Philippines. And we met this little boy. He actually was at a resort by the ocean there. And he walked by and he had this boat. And I said, can I get a picture of you? And he gave us a picture. And since then, we've used this picture because it reminds us of a little story we heard of a little boy. He and his daddy built this boat. And he would take it out and he would sail it on the lake. And one day while he was sailing it, the wind came up and blew it across to the other side of the lake and broke the string. He ran around to the other side of the lake and he looked and it was gone. The next day he was in town and he, he, he looked in, in the shop window and he, he saw his boat. He went inside and said to the shop owner, that's my boat. And the shop owner said, no, that's my boat. I bought it yesterday from a little boy just like you for $10. If you want it, you're going to have to give me $10. And the little boy said, no, no, no. It's, no. The shop owner said, I'm sorry. So the little boy was very upset because he made the boat. <laughs> he went home and he looked in his little piggy bank and he found just $10. And he came back the next day and he laid it down on the counter and he said, I want to buy my boat. And the shopper said, sure, take it. So as he walked home, he looked at the boat. He said, you're two times mine. I made you and I bought you. You're two times mine. Jesus says to you, you are two times mine, friend. Man, woman, boy, girl, no matter who you are, God created you. He made you and he wants you to, he just asks that you worship him. And then you have sin. All of us have sin to come short of the glory of God. He bought us with his blood. He died that you might live. He died because he loves you so much. He gives you the gift. So you're two times his. He made you and he bought you. God says, you're two times mine. I made you and I bought you. Kathy, come and share with us this beautiful song. built a boat, built it out of love, put it in the river, a string tied the two together, but the current broke that string, and the boat drifted away. The little boy made a promise, a teardrop in his eye. One day he'd reclaim the boat and bring the two back together. Well, it didn't take too long when he saw the boat in the window of a store. Well, he saved all his money and he bought the boat. As he walked away, you could hear him say, Now you're mine. Mine, two times mine. Once because I made you, once because I bought you, now you're mine. Mine, two times mine. Both times.
times cause I love you so God made a man made him with his love put him in the world love tied the two together but it didn't take too long and the man drifted away God made a promise from his throne on high one day he'd reclaim the man and bring the two back together well it didn't take too long when he sent down jesus his only son well he sacrificed his son that day if you listen because I made you once because I bought you now you're mine mine two times mine both times cause I love you so now you're mine mine two times mine once because I made you once because I bought you Thank you, sweetheart. That, that was beautiful. Wow. Two times mine. What, what a beautiful song. God says, I made you and I bought you. You, you see, some of you are saying, I, we, you've told that before, but why do you keep telling it? Because it's so important. You see, some people say the reason we go to church on the Sunday, on the worship of the sun, it's not Sunday, is because Jesus was resurrected on the first day of the week on Sunday. That's just not in the Bible. Well, somebody said it must be someplace. Well, it's way outside the Bible. It's just not there. It's not there. The reason, the reason that we honor the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus is not a day. It's because when we participate in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus through baptism, then we honor God. And so the memorial of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, listen carefully, is baptism. It's baptism. We worship God. To worship God, the memorial is the fact that he made us. He made us. So the, the memorial of creation is worship God on the Sabbath. So Jesus says, you're two times mine. I made you and I bought you. I made you the memorial. The fact that he made us is to worship him on the Sabbath. The memorial, the fact that he bought us with his blood is baptism. Is baptism. That's what the Bible says. Makes it very clear. Very clear. Wow. You're two times mine. Thanks so much, honey. What a beautiful song. 
Jesus, thank you too. Our Father in heaven, thank you for not only making us, and we were worshiping on the Sabbath, we honor you as our creator, but also dying for us on Calvary's cross. Unbelievable how God, the Son of God, could die for you and for me. Just unbelievable. Revelation 17, 5. And on her forehead a name was written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and the abominations of the earth, loyalty and disloyalty. The Sabbath is loyalty to God. Revelation 14, 6 and 7. Pagan sun worship is disloyalty. Ezekiel 8, 16. That's what the Bible says. It's disloyalty. Revelation... 18.4, and I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins, unless you receive of her plagues. Come out of her, my people. The foundation of the Babylonian system is the authority of man, the word of man, the works of man, the law of man, the traditions of man. The foundation of the divine system is the authority of God. The word of God, the love of God, the law of God, the teachings of God. It's all about God. Every person must choose in the end, when Jesus comes back, there are going to be two groups of people. I'm going to read that in just a minute from the book of Revelation, the last verses in the Bible. Two groups of people. Those who, who worship Jesus. Those who worship the beast. And those who long to worship the beast. Those who separate themselves from him. Turn their backs on God like there in Ezekiel. They turn their backs on the temple of God and worship the Son. Oh my. Don't be in that group. Don't be in that group. Because you love him. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. There's good news, very good news. Revelation 18, 4, come out of her, my people. God is calling you, all of us, <laughs> all of us, to come out of her, my people, out of confusion, the world of confusion. Come out of her, my people, lest you perceive of her plagues. The last, in the last days, God invites his people to take a stand, to take a stand. Revelation 14, 12, here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus because they love Jesus. They keep his commandments. Jesus said, if you love me, John 14, 15, keep my commandments. That's what the Bible says. That's what the Bible says, friends. Don't you love him? He's coming soon. You'll never regret your decision to follow Jesus all the way. You'll never, never, never. There are two groups, Revelation 22 and Revelation 14. Let me, let me tell you, about a project we're doing. I mentioned this before in the island of Mindoro in the Philippines. There's the NPA, they're called, New People's Army. Adventist World Radio has been around for about 50 years. This, this started also 50 years ago. Uh, Ka Martin was the leader for the last 18 years. He's been the general in charge. He's been a very bad person, <laughs> very bad person. Let me tell you about him. He, he started, he started getting more and more into rebellion against the government. It's a communist rebellion. And the, the atrocities that took place are horrible. People were executed and killed, and he was totally involved in so many of them. And one, one event, they, they, they stole the, uh, the machine gun from the army, and they killed 22 soldiers. And all this happened with all kinds of assassinations. He had 13 warrants out for his arrest for assassinations. The government of the Philippines is working with Adventist World Radio because we started broadcasting there. And Kathy and I went there for a camp meeting about four years ago, and we talked to them about, about what we could do with broadcasting 
and bringing in health work and health messages and things. And we started doing that. We've had a baptism in that whole area of about 10,000 people. It's, it's incredible. The whole island is changing. Now the government is saying, this is, see, this is the seat of the NPA. The government is saying this year, because of what we have been doing, listen carefully, of what Adventist World Radio is doing through the Adventist Church by, by preaching the gospel, by doing our medical work, by telling people about Jesus, because of what we're doing. They want to eradicate. <laughs> they want to eradicate all the rebellion of the MPA. All this killing must stop. The captain told us, he said, we're so sick and tired of being shot at and being killed. And we're so sick and tired of killing our own. We take our gunships up into the mountains and we use them to kill the people. And it's terrible. This war has to stop. So the government this year wants to eradicate. So Comartin, the general, has he surrendered. We worked out an amnesty with him. He signed the papers. He's free. He goes to church on Sabbath. <laughs> just like you, just like God's people, because we love him, we keep his commandments. But he's preparing for baptism. We, we would have gone now, but because of difficulty with the pandemic and different things, we haven't been able to. So in November, we're going to go there. We're going to go there. Generals will be baptized. Governors will be baptized. Soldiers will come out of the mountains. Hundreds of them laying down their arms and be baptized. Friend, if you had never been baptized like Jesus, now's the time to say, yes, I want to be baptized like Jesus. If, if you've never been baptized like Jesus, you need to be baptized. If, if, you have, if you've been baptized but you've slipped away, you need to be rebaptized. Text us at plus one, two, two, four, two, 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 zero, seven, seven, seven. That's WhatsApp. Or text us just at 224-222-0777. Say, I want to be baptized. I want to be baptized. Pray for us. November, November. We will be there baptizing all these people. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And then on and on again, we'll keep working in the Philippines and Mindanao, where we have all the, the, the other rebels that are controlling the country. We have a plan to reach the whole island. This is international news. Whoever thought? Whoever thought that broadcasting with Adventist World Radio would touch a whole country and change a whole island and eradicate this horrible rebellion, calling people back. That's what we do, calling people back to keep all of God's commandments. Don't you love him? Wow. Remember, there are two groups, two groups when Jesus comes back. I'm going to take my Bible and turn to the last book of the Bible, almost the last pages in the Bible. I want to share here with you absolutely amazing what the Bible says. Here in Revelation chapter 22, there are two groups. Almost the last, the very last words of the Bible here in verse 11. He who is unjust, God would declare this, it's, a time is coming, two groups. He who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. He who is holy, let him be holy still. A time is coming. God will make that declaration. Finally, one day, it'll be all over. People would decide which side they want to be on. Jesus died for everybody, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten. God gave all that he had, his only son, just for you, friend. Verse 14, blessed are those who do his commandments that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter through the gates into the city. But outside are dogs and sorcerers and sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and whoever loves 
and practice as they lie. Idolaters, murderers, sexually immoral. Friends, we live in a crazy world. People kind of justify all kinds of things. God loves you. Jesus died just for you, for God so loved the world, but he doesn't love the sin. He doesn't love the sin. He calls you to come out. Don't stay in the sin. No, keep all of God's commandments. That's what it says. But he makes an appeal, a final appeal. This is the final appeal in the Bible. And the spirit and the bride say, come. Verse 17, and the spirit and the bride say, come. Let him who hears say, come. And let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. It doesn't cost. There's no, you can't buy salvation. You can't steal it. You can't, <laughs> you know, it's not, it's free. It's free. The free gift of salvation God offers it to you because he loves you. The gift of salvation. Don't you love him? Never, never, never say no to Jesus. Accept him. Say, yes, Lord, I'll, I'll come. Please save me. Forgive me of my sins. And if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Even Kyle Martin, the assassin, no matter what you've done, there's hope for you. There's hope for you. We baptized a, an assassin, a horrible person, in a country far away. Horrible person. He had killed many people. He read the Bible. He listened to our cell phone evangelism sermons. Just the other day, his daughter contacted us and said, my daddy, <laughs> I couldn't believe it, started sending me these, these messages on, on the cell phone. <laughs> and I started listening. And he introduced Jesus to me, my daddy. He was an assassin. And I want to tell you, I've accepted Jesus. And my daddy just yesterday died of a heart attack. But praise God, praise God, he, he shared with me. He, he shared with us the good news that Jesus is coming soon, that he forgives us of our sins. Oh, friend, don't you want to accept that gift of salvation? Don't you want to? You say, yes, Jesus, I want to. I want to just now. Text us, plus one, WhatsApp, plus one, 224-222-0777, or text us, 224-222-0777. Say, yes, yes, Dr. Mickey, I want to accept the gift of salvation. I want to be baptized like Jesus. Please, please connect me with a church near me so I can worship God on the Sabbath. Shall we pray? Dear God, Thank you for the gift of salvation. Thank you for Jesus who died for our sins. We have no idea, Lord, this great sacrifice that God, that God would come and die that I might be forgiven. We know that we are all in need of a Savior. No matter how bad we are or how good we think we have been, we all need a Savior. Jesus died for each one of us because the ground at the foot of the cross is level. We all stand together looking up and saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you for the gift of salvation. We accept it now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Friends, we'll see you at our next topic. We're going to talk about heaven. You won't want to miss this one. Orion in the book of Revelation. We'll see you there. May God bless you. Remember, he loves you very, very much.